Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. We're going to be reading Matthew 2, verses 4 through 6. So when Herod had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now we heard last time that Herod was afraid, and so he summoned his advisors and he asked them what he, as a faithful Jew, who was awaiting his God's anointed one, he asked them what he should have already known, that the Savior is to come from Bethlehem. Now his advisors tell him that, and they quote the prophet Micah, written about 700 years ago, detailing that out of Bethlehem, though sneered at for being so insignificant, would emerge a ruler, and he would shepherd God's people. Now the stark contrast here is unmistakable. Jerusalem is where King Herod lives. Jerusalem is the center of power for Israel. Bethlehem is elakiste, which is the Greek word for last, least, smallest, most insignificant. And from there, from the last, the least, the smallest, and the most insignificant would come the ruler who will not exercise his rule as is typical of Jerusalem, but rather will shepherd his people. That's an astonishing thought. The ruler of New York City will not come from Manhattan, which is the gravitational center of this megalopolis, but from Yonkers, from Staten Island. No offense to either of those places. (laughs) Not from the halls of a premier educational institution or from a system designed for the ruler to succeed, but from the pastures of a rural and forgotten plot of land, in the unrecognized and therefore truest forms of love, the love of one who loves his sheep simply because they are his to love. For he certainly receives no applause for doing it in Bethlehem. That love which has formed that shepherd will become the gravitational center of the new kingdom. Now, in this text, we encounter a dominant theme that we'll see over and over. God has chosen the weak and the foolish in the world's eyes for his purposes. Why? Well, it seems to be necessary that those God uses know very well how foolishly unusable they are. In that way alone, God, who is love spilling over, can fully and freely lean into the weak person, even as the weak person fully and freely leans into love himself. It's almost like this beautiful uniting of heaven and earth that comes from absolute freedom, and it cannot be unless the person knows how little they are next to love. I love the movie The King's Speech. And there was a period in my life 
where I watched it every Friday night for 10 straight weeks. That is a period in my life that I am neither proud nor embarrassed by. It just is. It's, it's a chapter in our history, you know? That's all I'm going to say. The movie tells the story of King George VI, who was the King of England uh, during the years leading up to and the years during World War II. But King George VI had a speech impediment. And the story tells of his relationship with his speech therapist, Lionel Loke. Now there's a scene where King George VI is watching a tape of Adolf Hitler, who is giving a very passionate and eloquent speech. As we all know, um, Hitler was an incredibly effective communicator. And in this scene, King George is sitting with his daughters, and his daughters ask him, one of his daughters asks him, uh, Dad, what's he saying? And he answers, I don't know, but he seems to be saying it quite well. The one who is spreading a message of hate and seeking to establish a kingdom built upon ethnic purity, that that one would be so charismatic and so charming and powerful in speech. All the things that we as the world would say, oh, I want to follow that leader. And in contrast, there's King George VI, who does not desire to lead, who doubts himself and is constantly reminded of his inadequacies with every single speech he delivers. Yet his message is one of resistance, one where an acknowledgement of another's humanity across every line of difference is the foundation for a better world. And I can't help but draw theological conclusions from this. The God of truth, the God of love, the God of creation, the only God who seeks to draw near to us, draws near to us not in perceived strengths. You won't find him in those areas and in those places where you think, oh, surely God would be here. You'll find him in scars and in weakness and in rural pasture lands, in podunk parts of an empire. This is the source and the beginning of love himself, not from Jerusalem, but from you, O Bethlehem, laughed at as least, homely and malformed and unlovely to the world. You, O oh, you are the one through whom I will teach the world my truth. That love comes not through self-assertion, but through self-sacrifice. Father, as we go forth this day, will you teach us that truth? That love and your kingdom is not being built out of the things of the world that we look at and say, Oh, that is, that's lovely. That's good. That's powerful. Your kingdom is being built out of our scars. Your kingdom is being built out of our weaknesses. Your kingdom is not begun from the centers of power. It's begun from the pasture lands that no one cares about. Teach us this. 
have it shape our thinking this day. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.